Hi, you are listening to The Carrero Podcast. I'm Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez. Today, our guest is Dr. Chris Burns. Chris has been the executive director of Boys Republic since 2010. His passions begin with family and friends, assisting the less fortunate, and partnering with the friends of Steve McQueen to bring a world-class car show to the Boys Republic each June. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us about your work with the Boys Republic? Absolutely. First, thank you for having me on the program. But, um, you know, Boys Republic and Girls Republic are sort of partner organization. Uh, we just finished our 115th year wow. uh, working with at-risk boys, girls, and their families um, in our Southern California locations. But we work with youth from all around the state, uh, primarily uh, their kids that have run into <clears throat> family issues educational issues they've got mental health concerns and and we work with them residentially for a period of anywhere between four to eight months to to try and tackle those areas and and send them back into their home communities as as equipped as we possibly can to to go and be successful in areas that they were struggling previously yeah um chris and that's one of the things that 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 I've always been interested in in, in the in uh, boys and girls re, 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 republic are um, are all the measures that 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 you do um, all the different opportunities in which um, in which all of these students are are able to be a part of. Can you can you talk about those? We can. So we're we're very fortunate. the The main campus is a two hundred acre property. Uh, affords us the ability to do quite a, a few different things, but we have an on-grounds public high school that's WASC accredited. So for 50 to 100 kids to have their own uh, their own high school that that they're able to sort of re-engage with uh, the areas they struggled with in larger classrooms. They're in classrooms of maybe 10 to 12, so they're really able to get the attention they need to. to to get back on track. We supplement that tremendously with vocational training in about 10 different areas. Mm -hmm. um, everything from, we've got a fully operational culinary center to an auto tech class, to masonry classes, landscaping ROP, you name it. We pretty much uh, interview the kids when they first come in and find out what their interests are and try and get them uh, attaining vocational skills in some area close to one of their interests. Fundamentally think that for our kids that have struggled with the law and struggled with probation, that our ability to make them employable is one of the fastest paths out of those life choices they'd previously been making. Yeah. And, and let's not be modest. I mean, your bakery is awesome. <laughs> you know, because, um, you know, having, you know, I just live maybe a mile from, from you and every, every holiday season, I always get my car and I go over there. And, um, and so can you, can you talk about that and, and some of the, um, maybe, maybe some of your success stories coming, sure. coming from boys and girls Republic? Sure. So the, the bakery is one of our newest, um, expansions of vocational training. Our, our former food services director uh, just thought with everything that we do to help kids get employed that that was a natural. So we carved out uh, a portion 
of our dining room at that point to give it a try. Um, it took off. We started off, started off doing the local farmer's market and doing things just in the community. Within a couple of years, that had expanded to us um, having commercial contracts with Vons Pavilions and a few uh, a few casinos. So we were able to, to hire some of our graduates and bring them back in. Uh, you talk about success stories. You know, one of the things that it just happened this past week, one of our very first uh, protege students that came through that sort of became the right hand of our bakery instructor. He was he was teaching classes for our, our younger kids at one point. He had left and was was looking to get out into the world and be entrepreneurial and do very well, which we love because that's our, our fundamental goal. We want them to go and and spread their wings and be successful and be taxpayers and things like that. And and uh, he just reached back out this last week. He's doing very well, but he asked if there was a way for him to come back and and be in the bakery a little bit. Wow. You realize that he's making money but he had more life satisfaction when he was involved in helping the other kids find their way. Wow. Uh, so that, that was incredibly satisfying because it tells us we, you know, in a short period of time, he's come full circle. He, he really understands the, the notion of being a little bit more mission driven. And, um, and he, he really understood how effective he was at helping other students when he was here, just begin to open their eyes a little bit. That's amazing. Uh, in your bio, you shared that you've been working with the organization for 30 years. Can you share with us what uh, initially drew you to the organization and, and what's kept you there for 30 years? Sure. Uh, I'll be honest, I I've kind of found my way here a little accidentally. I grew up in Chino Hills, old Chino Hills. So I knew of Boys Republic. My employer had a relationship with the the former executive director. And and when, when he and I were kind of done running video stores and had gotten knocked out of town by Blockbuster and Warehouse, <laughs> uh, he had, you know, sort of planted this seed in my head. And I was in I was in graduate school and and came worked here for a couple of years, <clears throat> fully intending on on finishing my doctorate and ending up out in the world somewhere. Um, but after my doctoral internship that I had to do away from Boys Republic, I just found that there was no environment that I'd ever worked in any of the internships or practicum sites that felt like there was as much happening. Um, it just wasn't as satisfying. There is something um, truly 24-hour care so that every interaction you're having with the, the young men and women we work with, potential to, to just chip away a little bit more and move them in a positive direction. Whereas my other, my other professional environments, I'd see someone maybe one hour, two hours a week. And while that that's the way it's done in most of the world. That just felt really limiting compared to having a 24-hour environment that that we got to make an impact in. Yeah, and that's and that's something um, that's something true. I mean, there's 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 a lot of people that when they when they work with or, with organizations such as yours, or or let's say let's say even teaching because that's 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 the field that both Malia and I are you know, well I wasn't um, 
it's those it's those daily inter, um, interactions that 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 not just help out the people around you, but help yourself out too. Right. What are what are some ways that 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 you've grown personally? Um, just just through the through the type of work that that you've been doing for these past thirty years. Well, we're a number of different ways, but we're you know we're big believers in accountability and personal responsibility. So uh, one of the things you realize when you work in a 24 hour environment is that you're, you're modeling every minute of the day that you're around the kids, both good and bad. (laughs) So, so those, those personal habits that, that you might have as the adult or the professional that you wouldn't necessarily want to pass on, you, you have to own those. We, we actually expect the staff to, to go into the group setting and be accountable for for their bad decisions, their broken promises, their uh, you know their mistakes in the same way we ask the kids to, um, so that they understand it, it's real. And I know for me as a young man in the organization with a with a heavier foot than I should have had in in my driving capacity, I, I made it into that group at least one time to to sort of own the fact that. I wasn't driving the way I should when I had kids in that vehicle. So, uh, you know, just little things like that. But I'd say on a bigger scale, um, it it's probably been to appreciate every every type, every sphere of change. Um, we we have very high standards. I personally have high standards and. And I think what I learned to to do early on was was pay attention to and and notice and acknowledge the small incremental kinds of changes. Um, great example: when I was running our day treatment program in Monrovia, sitting in a team meeting, and the team was talking about our most challenging uh, young man at that time, and they were done. They, they were providing me every reason why I needed to let them say, okay, he's done in the program. And generally as the, the supervisor in that role, mine is to, to challenge them and make them look at every other opportunity we have to, to give it another chance. Uh, and we were doing that and we get a phone call right in the middle of that interaction. And my most vocal advocate for removing him is the one who answered the phone and just hear this series of, of yes, yes, really. Uh, just some acknowledging kinds of things, a few surprising kind of things from her. And she gets off the phone and says she just got a call from that student's mother who was in tears thanking her for the change we've created in their life. And she was talking about things like, you know, he he picks up after, you know, after a meal now. He he communicates with us when he's sitting at home. He he does his chores. He makes his bed. He he's not swearing at us um, like he used to. And and it, these things that that we would look at maybe our own kids is like, look, that's just an expectation. Yeah. But with the kids we're working with, that's how far out. Uh, the family interactions have gotten and the mother was help, able to help us refocus on there are things happening, even though we're not all the way there. And it, it clearly changes are being made. So it would be a huge mistake to give up mid process right now. 
Now, and 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 to piggyback on that on that question, because we're because we're we're talking about about an organization that that does a lot of stuff, and 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 I'm sure you're at times you're overwhelmed with just the amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. Are there are there ways in which others can either help you guys out or contribute in different ways? You know, we appreciate it. We're we're supported by incredible volunteers and folks who help in a variety of different ways. Uh, we, we have had, I just told you we hit 115 this past year. We've had uh, what used to be a ladies only organization. Now it's, it's co-ed in the Pasadena area an auxiliary that supported us for over 110 years. Wow. Uh, it was started by the daughter of our founder, um, and for the last 35 years, they, as a volunteer group, run a thrift shop for oh. us in the Altadena area. And that's entirely volunteer. So if you have anybody who's listening, who's in the Pasadena, Altadena area looking to be supportive, they are an incredible group of folks and they always need more hands. But but that comes out to the campus. We've got 40 members of the, the Friends of Steve McQueen committee that that helped put on a fundraising car show and, and weekend for us. Um, we have volunteers that come in during the, the holiday season. Uh, this next year will be our hundredth year of making Della Robia Christmas wreaths. Yeah. And, and huge operation. There's over a hundred people involved in that. Uh, lots of community folks that, that come in and work with the students and the staff. And we have both volunteer folks and, and paid folks. We've had church groups that come in and help with, um, that activity. So we really are sustained. Um, we have incredible donors that, uh, that just understand the mission. It resonates with them and, and they recognize that, uh, we we do. If you've ever been on the property, I invite anybody listening who who would be interested to come see the property. Uh, you see, there are a lot of things happening that aren't uh, part of the rate that the counties pay to have students be here, and all of those donations and volunteer efforts help us do more and help me get to say yes even more. <laughs> you've mentioned. Um the steve mcqueen project can you tell us a little bit about uh that and what that uh looks like sure so uh i hope your listeners uh know who steve mcqueen is so he was a a student here in 1946 uh he after he went on to have you know quite a bit of of success and fame in hollywood and in the racing community uh, he maintained a connection with us Um, would come back um, visit the students um, left something when he passed in order to expand um, an activity and recreational area for the kids. And, and a member of a, of a local Porsche club about 15 years ago approached us and asked if we'd ever thought about, you know, having a fundraising car show. Um, and the president of that club actually knew Chad McQueen, which is Steve's son. and was interested enough and we were interested enough that we began the conversation and Chad had continued to be supportive of us the way his father did every once in a while we would just have a donation or a gift show up and we would find out that Chad was asked to do something promotional in some area and wouldn't take any money but basically said you have to make a donation to Boys Republic and so that's kind of the role that he's continued with the show 
it started pretty small. Um, it's grown tremendously over those 15 years. Now it's a weekend event uh, where we've got kind of a, a relaxed uh, food and music event on Friday night. Saturday night is is sort of your traditional uh, fundraising gala dinner, which is highlighted by the fact that our culinary students are the ones that prepare and serve the meal. So it, it's very rewarding for all of us. And, and then the show itself comes on the, on the Sunday and that's grown to have about 15,000 people on property um, for that event. So it's really allowed us to, uh, obviously it's a fundraiser and the, the car folks love it, but organizationally it's, it's bringing people in contact with us that, that we might never have had a chance to reach. And there's always some in there that really, uh, uh, really appreciate what we're doing with kids and want to get more involved, which is great. Yeah. And as a, and as a local resident, I can, I can honestly say that we've, we've, we've gone there many, many times. And in fact, one of my brothers has shown his car there. Um, and it's, it's such a great event because it's, you could, you, you, you can really feel that, um, that community feeling mm-hmm. that, that this, that this event does. And so, um, if I could just share with our, with our listeners too, you know, look it up and come on out. Um, in fact, I just, I just got a vintage car that I'm trying to put together. So you may see me out there soon. <laughs> we look forward to it. <laughs> um, so, so, um, so, so Chris, what are your, what is the favorite part of your job? Um, what are the least favorite parts? You, share that? you know, I, I just said a second ago when I was talking about the fundraising, the best part about, so I'm, I'm the executive director here now, uh, which means I get to spend far less time with the kids than I used to. That's one of my least favorite one is that I, I don't have as much student contact as I once did when I first started, but the, the best part is uh, all of those efforts that I just described allow me to say yes in areas that that really do make a difference. One of the things people who work in social services and, and social workers and teachers, you, you see needs all the time and, and there just aren't support those needs. Uh, there aren't avenues to, to fund those. Um, I fortunately have those. We, we are very careful with the way um, donations or funds are raised and we put those away for very specific things. And so when there are times when a student is being told by the courts or uh, by their probation officer that they can't go home because the home environment that their family is unsuitable. You know, you've got six people living in a one bedroom apartment. And so it might be that we're able to use those funds in order to, to, to get them started far enough down the road to a better living environment that that student can go home and can kind of continue that, that positive momentum that they've had. Uh, a lot of times it's our kids have gotten vocationally trained and we've gotten the opportunity for them to get into a trade. Uh, but it's going to cost them $1,200 to get the tools and the uniforms they need to, to get started. And we're able to, to use those raised funds in order to, to not let that be a door that slams in their face. And so those are, those are the good things because I get to hear we've got aftercare workers that are out in the community supporting the kids and 
and we get to hear how the momentum just keeps going because it, it would be really easy for the progress that gets made while they're on the property and they're with us residentially to get thwarted when they get home and and you know the the, the support isn't there as strong and the first couple of doors they try and go through get slammed so uh that, that's absolutely one of my favorites is being able to make sure we keep some of those doors open. Yeah, I think that's really important to not just, um, you know, focus on what you're doing in your first initial control and like in your organization, but reaching out beyond to make sure that they're successful. I think that's um, an important transition for your your the people that you work with. You um, also stated that you are passionate about uh, assisting the less fortunate, and clearly that's um, some of your work uh, within the organization. But do you have other ways that you do this? I do. Obviously, it's the it's all that we do here. But uh, you know, just in the community, I I love the Chino Valley. Um, I've served on a few other boards, um, been on the YMCA board and uh, a local little league board, and. Um, I've been a member and president of a local Rotary Club, and and generally speaking, it's just whenever you, you get involved in in kid or family serving organizations, you know, there's things that come up that that there there are those that we you would love to be able to take advantage of it, but but they just can't. They don't have the funds. So yeah. I would typically uh, direct my donations towards the kids who couldn't afford the fees to to play little league i'm a big believer in youth sports i i think it had a lot to do with keeping my two boys so busy and so focused on certain fundamentals that they they didn't really have time for the things that would get them off the you know uh, more positively directed path um you know rotary has been great because they you know they sort of uh grab a variety on profits in the local area and raise money to support them, whether that's from folks that are struggling with homelessness or, you know, food security, things like that. And so uh, I've been blessed with Rotary to, to do, you know, Christmas deliveries to families in need and, and used to always take my boys uh, as a way to make sure that, that they understand uh, they've been pretty fortunate. And uh, I think uh, positively, uh, focused way of living is to always be looking a little bit beyond yourself and trying to help other people that just aren't as fortunate. Yeah, and that's I, th- I think you you bring up some really good some really good visuals because as um, you know because we were we, I was I was reading that 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 your boys are very very active um, in, in in sports and doing life stuff. Um, are there and as a and as a dad, you know, as you're out, as you're balancing life, because it, it seems like being the executive director for such a wonderful or uh, wonderful organization, and then and then having having kids, are how is that balance? And then how um, um, is there is there anything happening in your in like in your life now that that you've expected or you're not expected or that you're planning for? Um, since you're, you know, since your boys are older, mm-hmm. uh, balance is, is a challenge uh, <laughs> to be certain. I know when I, uh, I've been in this role now for 13 years. And when I was interviewing with the board of directors about the executive director spot, 
I, I just, you know, my one stipulation to them was, uh, we're in, we're in the work of changing kids' lives and, and building stronger families. And I can't divorce mine in order to do a good job here. And of course they, they fully understood that how you make that work practically is, is, you know, the, the challenge sometimes, but I was fortunate. I, I was able to move close enough so that when, when the hours needed to be long here in order to take care of something, I was able to pull away either to go coach that practice or to have dinner with the family and then make my way back to do whatever I needed to do. And, um, I, I was very fortunate to be able to use our own baseball field to, to yeah. coach teams for five, six, seven years. And, and, um, and especially at that time when I was, I wasn't getting as much student contact here, uh, I was sort of able to fuel that part of, of what, you know, makes me happy by working with other kids in the community. So, uh, that was always uh, a big part of trying to find balance for me. Although interesting, I was finding balance by being even doing even more things, which, you know, <laughs> you know you, we, we get busy doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you talk about sort of, um, you know, what's happening in life recently, you know, the, the things that, that we, we planned for and we hoped for, we've been, we've been pretty fortunate. Uh, you talked about the two boys, my oldest, finished off his chemical engineering degree um, last year and and we've got to watch him fight to get into the workforce and then get that first job and all the learning experiences that are coming from that and and uh, all the really exciting adult conversations that you're having with your child as they're really in the workforce. He, he worked while he was going in both high school and college, but it was really just that sort of starter job. And this one's been really interesting. And then the, I coached them both, but the one who had, you know, the greatest amount of passion with that, he's still playing ball. Um, he's a, a junior down at Cal state long beach and, um, and, uh, is, is, dedicated and then some appears to be getting a little bit of extra attention. So okay. uh, what's going on for my wife and I is we're, we're traveling around, you know, the, the U S a lot more than we'd ever had before. Cause we figured we have no idea how long this will last for him. So we're going to enjoy it as long as it does. And so we've got trips to North Carolina, Nevada, and Hawaii over nice. the next few months to go watch him and the team play. So uh, it's a good a good excuse to make me actually use that vacation time that I accrue. <laughs> oh, dirtbags! Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> dirtbags. And the, the nickname that is either beloved or completely right. polarizing for people that think you're you're being disparaging to. Them. Oh no no they love that. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> so. Is there anything that's been on your mind lately with the organization or like um, with the progress that you want to share with listeners? Sure. Um, you know, I will tell you, this is a, this is a particularly challenging time in this, this type of a, a world. I, I will say uh, there are lots of unintended, con unintended consequences that come from, things that happen politically uh, and uh, with all the, the really positive things that are coming from criminal justice reform out in the, the bigger world. And there are some really good things happening there. 
Um, one of the unintended consequences is there are a lot of kids and families falling through the cracks. Um, there, there's a challenge to find that uh, sort of middle ground between we, we probably incarcerated way too many people, um, both in California and nationally for a long time. And we had some sentencing laws that were not um, applied equally across various ethnic groups and, and things along those lines. And those things needed to be fixed. Um, what I would say that, that is on my mind and that we're working to try and impact is I don't think you fix those things by ignoring bad behavior. And there are youth out there that we have been really good at helping for 115 years who are being ignored in the name of criminal justice reform because it it's the idea we need to not we need to not put more you know particularly black and brown kids into the system and we did the los angeles county district attorney um on two different occasions and he loved the property loved the program and wanted to know how more la county kids could could benefit from being here and i told him i said you you don't want to hear this answer and uh he's like no no no, i can take it <laughs> i said well to be completely honest you have to let them face accountability for what they've done mm -hmm. and what i reminded him is that when you're under 18 you're you're adjudicated you're not convicted meaning that when you turn 18 records get sealed so the idea of entrance into the system when this could be the kind of environment that you could benefit from isn't such a negative thing, especially relative to the idea that if you've got someone who's struggled with, you know, they're, they're getting kicked out of school, they've been arrested a few times, they're out there, they're selling drugs, and you think staying at home in that environment is going to be more positive for them then coming to a treatment program like this, I said, it's hard to make that argument. I said, obviously, we don't want to replace parents and families. That's not our role. But sometimes you do have to be pulled out of an environment in order to get a, a slightly broader perspective and get, begin to make different choices. That, that occupies my, my thinking constantly now. And, and, you know, I work at the state level and, and with community leaders to just you know, again, try and help them see. It's why we invite people to the property all the time mm -hmm. so that they realize that there's no part of being at Boys Republic that looks like. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm like this now. <laughs> my, my, my mind is everywhere because as a, one of the first volunteer gigs that I, that I did, it was fresh, fresh out of high school. I was volunteering within juvenile hall within county county jails um later on i um i was i was working for the san diego san diego, san diego county courts i was an intern for a u.s senator um, um and then and then we and then when 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 we moved here to chino hills i was part of that pro, part of the champ program here where mm -hmm. you know the mentoring first offender youth and what you what you share, Chris, really resonates with 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 a lot of us. 
mm-hmm. um, that there's that there's so much that we're not taking into consideration that oftentimes it's like either black or white right. um, with without understanding within the criminal justice system there's there's lots of shades of gray yes and mm-hmm. and what are we what are we doing for for those for those individual kids that yeah there's that possibility where a where a residential place like 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 yours if we if we pull them out of the family and then put them here just the mentoring just the mentorship that that could be that could be taking place um but you know it's um i really like how you shared about that accountability piece because because even as even as teachers you know we there's we do need to have kids be accountable mm-hmm. um, while at the same time not have that black or white system right. of criminal justice. Yep. Um, you know, and, and so um, what are, and I know I can keep going on and on because that's where my, that's where my heart <laughs> is, is, you know, working with kids like yours. Um, what, what are some of the, legislation coming up or is there legislation that's you know in the um in the in the books that that you could talk about you know mostly the things that um that have happened are the things that have been on the ballot in california and and some of the propositions that we've had that have uh you know kind of reduced felonies down to misdemeanors and unfortunately every time Every time we hear about an officer being, you know, shot in the line of duty lately, unfortunately, we usually hear about the 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 number of offenses of the person that did that. And and it calls into question. And again, it can it can bring you back to that black and white kind of thinking. It's it's just not that simple um, to figure out if if we're going to do a little bit less. Where do you draw the line and who are the folks that that um, that that we think would do really well. Um, I think the legislation that I look forward to are the kinds of things that are trying to be built that really partner um, offenders, whether they're adults or the the youth that we serve with, uh, with programs and services when they leave. Um, Malia, you commented about, you know, it's not just what happens on the property, it's what they go home. And that's absolutely true. We, we, we don't consider success that they left the program positively. We consider success that, you know, they've been re-enrolled in school or they're going to college or they've gotten a job and that they haven't re-offended. And so the legislation that's really tied to making sure that people come out and, and they can get that positive hook is, is the, where I think the focus really should be because without it, I mean, we, we see it. We've seen our, our homeless population skyrocket. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I, I've, I've seen data ranging anywhere between 40 and 60% of the growth in California's homeless population attributed to folks that have been released from incarceration without services. Yeah. And in that case, it, it just doesn't make any sense that, you know, we kind of have you know, some buckets of support that we do around the state related to homelessness and mental health services and incarceration. 
And it always sort of feels like whenever we chop away one of those pillars, that one of the other two ends up getting flooded. And so um, I think uh, the kinds of things that are targeting, you know, mental health services, homelessness, and, you know, kind of post-incarceration services will only, you know, kind of pay dividends for us you know, not just for the people that need the help, but for all of us that are living with that in the in the in our communities right now. Yeah, well, that's um, it's it's heavy. Like as as, <laughs> as Fred says, like you know, there's just there's so much, and and we and like my parents um, were prison guards, um, and they would say, oh, it's a corrections facility, but really how much correction is happening and Mm -hmm. then how much support when people are released um, is given to them. And, and, you know, we see so many movies and documentaries and things. And so it's not a secret, but like, what are we doing to fix it? And so I I really like um, your, your point about connecting it to the ballot, right? Go and, and voice, your concerns, your priorities with those propositions, with those um, opportunities that we have to vote, right? Um, yeah, it's it's a lot. But I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing, and it, it sounds um, like you're really providing them with some life skills and problem-solving skills and, and not really just, like, painting this picture of, you know, like, oh, you know, positive mental attitude will get you anywhere. No, no, it takes actually work. And sometimes you fail. And that was something that you said earlier, too, is um, just modeling that behavior, too, because even people as, you know, successful adults still fail. Like we have all made mistakes and have had to own them and as comfortable and as ugly as it is, um, you know, that's where we learn. And so I, I liked hearing that you as an organization, the people that are leading are doing these things. Um and, and sharing that and being transparent with the population that you're working with. So that way they don't feel like these people that are supporting them are on this pedestal, right? Like right. they are human just like them. And, you know, sometimes some mistakes are bigger than others and have, you know, stronger consequences. But ultimately it's how you, you know, respond to that mistake. So um, I, I, I love this um, work that you're doing. And, and I have to go to this bakery now that you <laughs> now that I know about it and Fred's yes. talked about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So finally, we ask our guests what their call to action is. So you know, what's the one thing you want to leave people with? How do you want um, you know, like your your takeaway, your soundbite? What's your call to action? You know, maybe it's a, a recency bias because of what that young man uh, is telling you, David, just brought back to us this past week. But I, I guess what I would just encourage folks to do is is be mission driven. Uh, find find your passion. Uh, he said it as well as anything. It it's we've we've all got our our area our sphere of focus. We've all got to make a living. We've got to do what we do to support our families, and. Some of us are more fortunate than others in the sense, you know, I'm able to to do that work and it is very mission driven for me. But some of us, we just, we work and, and we, we get a paycheck and it's how we care for our families. But I would encourage folks to, to find that passion, find that place that, that they, that they want to see 
positive changes and invest. And if it happens to be with at-risk boys and girls, then then please reach out because we've got lots of ways uh, to help you, uh, you know, kind of uh, fill that passion. And, and, you know, David said it best in the sense that it, it fills a part of us when you're doing it that, that we don't necessarily know is empty. Uh, he, he left and, and was doing everything we wanted him to do. And the fact that he came back knowing that just making money wasn't enough for him uh, tells us that, that the changes have grown probably even further than we had hoped by this early part in his life. So I'd say, yeah, find a cause and, and, and go after it. I love it. That's well, wonderful. Chris, thanks for your time today, and especially thanks for your dedication of your life to um, bettering our youth and making a better tomorrow for everyone. So appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you both for the time. Yeah.